Hello, everybody, and happy July the 4th. Do me a favor today. Seriously, do not hurt yourself with fireworks. It's so easy. You're having a great time with your family. Everything's going swell, and then all of a sudden, you have a couple too many fucking white claws, and then your ass is out there sticking your face in front of fireworks or trying to run around with them stuck in your butt cheeks. Don't do it. Don't ruin your damn day. Uh, No, in all seriousness, so I had this video that I recorded, and it was uh, the newest Just Like Scream video, and it was for Wes Craven's My Soul to Take. And the other day, I was trying to put up another video, and my computer was like, fuck, you're, you're killing me, Daniel. And I was like, what's wrong? And it was like, I'm full of storage. So I went and I deleted a bunch of files, and I accidentally deleted the video um, of me doing this, but somehow saved the audio because I record them separately. Either way, the point is this. I thought it was a great opportunity because you, you, you take shit and you, and, and you put sugar on it and then it tastes less bad. That's the saying, I think, Dad. Uh, no, the thing is I just figured, hey, it's a good good way to show people that we have a podcast where we put stuff up on, sometimes stuff that's not on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, to pay attention to. So that's why this Just Like Scream is on here. It was recorded as a video. Now it's a podcast. Uh, How's your mother? Good. She's tired from fucking my father. And uh, here we are. But I hope you guys have an amazing day, and I hope you enjoy this. And if you would, if you're listening from YouTube or not, if you just haven't before, if you could rate our podcast or review it, that that helps it grow. And um, you know how I feel about my, my things growing. So uh, I hope you guys have an amazing day, and we will see you very soon. Another live stream on Wednesday. And, um, yeah, stay tuned to this space because, you know, always like the next day, usually typically after a live stream, we'll put it on here. And, again, sometimes there's content on here that's not on YouTube like this. So um, I love your all's fucking faces. Hey, guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike, and this is Just Like Ah Scream, a show where we take a bunch of movies that – Look like, feel like we're inspired by Wes Craven's 1996 classic Scream, and we take a deep, deep look into, into them while we wait for something to happen with Scream 7. Come on, do something, man! Shit! Now, if you guys remember last week, I said after finishing off the Urban Legends franchise, after that piece of dark, dark nights in Texas that was Urban Legends Bloody Mary, I said, I'm gonna do a good one next time. You remember me saying that? I lied. It's weird to do a Just Like Scream on this one because it's actually directed by Wes Craven himself. I mean, there's a ton, a ton of comparisons that you can make to Scream and things like that. But it's definitely not something you would call, I don't think, inspired by. It's not something, definitely not trying to rip it off. But it just has those Scream-isms to it because it's made by the man himself. And I think he carried a lot of the ideas he had from Scream into this. Now, this is a weird one to talk about because it was panned by uh, virtually ever the critics tore it to shit, fans tore it to shit. I uh, did not have a good time, did not have a good go of it, as they would say, but it's one of Wes Craven's very last films, this and Scream 4, and, you know, when you go back into it, there's, there's two sides I feel like. I watch it, and my first response to it, if you have a certain expectation, is to go, what the shit was this? And then there's another side of it that you go back and you go, actually, there's some really comforting, like, pretty cool stuff in there that I like about this movie. And I think that just comes from a deep love of Wes Craven and what he did for horror. Yeah, he was hit or miss, for sure. He had he had some misses in his career, and I have no problem with that. I like I like it when the people I like the people who go when they swing for the fences. I love M Night Shyamalan, you know? Uh you always know you're going to get something that they care about that was their best effort and at their best. I think mean, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street. We're talking Scream. We're talking about 
not just a master of horror, but someone who created the pillars that is horror in Wes Craven. So, yeah, they're allowed to have fucking misses, man. I like I like it better that way. I like flaws in something. I like people who shoot for stuff and fuck up sometimes and don't do it exactly right. But this one is especially different because Wes Craven liked this movie. He wrote, he directed, he produced it. I fully expected after watching it and researching it to find a movie that was interfered with, like Cursed was. Uh, that was interfered with by a studio that was messed up, that the PG-13 rating came in and, and screwed up. But no, um, what I saw was that Wes Craven said that he was just bummed out people didn't like the film because he, think, he thinks it was better than it was given credit for. And I can respect that. And it kind of makes me see it in a different light. But why was the movie shit on so much when it came out? Well, for one, it was in the it was in the 3D craze. It came out the same week as The Social Network. It placed like fifth or something like that in the box office when it came out. It wasn't screened for critics. And it was his first movie that he made in five years since Red Eye, which kicks fucking ass. The plot of the movie is this. It opens up. It's the first Just Like Scream-ism that's here. It's a Scream opening. If they, I would have just taken that title from the front of the movie, which is a badass name for a movie, my soul to take, and I would have scooted that on down. I want to put that right after the ending, and then it's truly like a Scream opening. Wes Craven was great at just setting the pace, setting the tension, and he did this before Scream, obviously, Last House on the Left, things like that. But like that opening scene just rocks you, and this is no different. And especially the Boogeyman just did this really well. For a PG-13 film, there's a meanness, and there's a specific moment in the meanness of this opening that lets you know... Don't comfort your crack, because just because this is PG-13, I will still come in there and fuck you up. I'll just do it with an open hand slap instead of a closed fist. <laughs> That's kind of what this movie says to you, because the opening of the movie, it's this guy, and he's having these these visions. He just seems like a good dude. It's kind of a callback to the stepfather. He's working in the basement, working on a little house or whatever. And then his wife's watching the news, and there's this killer on the loose that has this crazy-looking knife that says vengeance, and they call him the Ripper. And she's all scared, and he trips and hits his head, and then he sees the knife underneath uh, on his basement floor or whatever, and he realizes, basically the movie tells us, this guy's got bad schizophrenia, pretty sure it doesn't work that way, but he's got schizophrenia, and he's actually been doing these killings, and he's got multiple souls, allegedly, inside of his body that are like taking control of him at once in this weird schizophrenic sort of deal that's going on, and he's the murderer, one of his personalities is the murderer, and when he tries to fight it off, that personality tells him, listen, and then evil, you know, Jim Carrey from Me, Myself, and Irene Soul comes out and he's like, I put a giant dildo in your butt. No, that was that was that movie. He comes out and he's like, if you call anybody, I will murder your whole family. And it's freaky the way it works because he keeps like, there's like a jarring moment and he'll wake up as the new person and he'll wake up as a new person. And when he wakes up as himself eventually, and there's spoilers in this, by the way, this is definitely a spoiler review. He wakes up as himself and he turns over and, you know, his wife is pregnant and uh, he, he he wakes up, he calls his therapist, and he's like, I just, everything keeps switching around, I don't know what's going on, he's threatening to kill my family, I've got to be real quiet about it, and then he turns around, and this is where that PG-13 nut kick came in, he rolls his wife over, and the baby has been like, just, it looks like the baby's been slaughtered, there's blood everywhere, she's dead, he starts screaming, this provides some actual fear in that moment because imagine if that's what your life was like. Like you woke up and you'd actually kill everybody and you have no, you know, or you did some fucked up shit. Uh, it's it's dark to think about. It's kind of scary to think about it on, on that level. But the shenanigans don't just stop there. He starts chasing his daughter around, trying to kill her. The doctor shows up and it's a very, uh, there's multiple Loomis connections to this, I feel like. But the doctor, very Brian Cox-ish. It's not who it was, but he feels like Brian Cox shows up and he tries to help. 
and the cops get there and he gets shot right as he's about to kill his daughter. Another screamism happens. The guy goes up to him and they're like, hey, this dude's dead. He's like, I just shot him. He's dead. Didn't shoot him in the head. But he keeps coming back to life. He keeps popping back up and coming back to life. And, like, he even kills an extra person while doing so. But it just reminds me of the whole Scream classic. You know, as Dewey said, you always got to shoot him in the head. Frank Grillo, of all the of out of fucking nowhere, shows up. And I'm like, that's Frank Grillo. This is badass. And we'll get to him in a second because he was could have been so uh, – he could have saved this fucking movie, man. They get in the ambulance, and Frank Grillo is just a cop then. He's talking to this lady, and he's like, what would your grandma say about this? And she's like, they believe that there was, like, several souls that inhabit, inhabit certain people's bodies and, and all this, this crazy stuff, right? So the supernatural element kicks in when they're riding in the ambulance, and the cop asks the paramedic, uh, I guess her grandma's into shit like this. He's like, what would your grandma say about this? And she's like, well, they would have said that, you know, the bodies, like, the, the body can – it's not schizophrenia. The body – actual carries in several souls and that when one body passes they'll move on and find it you know this is where the whole supernatural idea of it kicks in and he eventually gets out of the situation slashes her throat the the ambulance turns over it's on fire basically the guy escapes but nobody ever finds a body they assume he's dead but they don't know and it's a really cool scene right here because where it clips and this is your opening that's that's just the opening of the movie by itself opening awesome great stuff loved it had a blast with it set the tone for a way better than movie than what followed specifically Frank Grillo's character because he shows up a few minutes later into the movie and he's older and he's a detective and he's still hanging around the town trying to keep things together and he's even got a trench coat on man but when he walks on the scene you're like he's got a trench coat on he's like weathered he's kind of fucked up and like stressed out because of this thing that happened and the whole town's still obsessed with it, so he's a little bit distraught. Such an opportunity for such a cool Loomis character. It actually got me going. Something I would have never thought. I love Frank Grillo. Dude's an amazing actor. If you've never seen the movie Game Over, it was one of my favorite movies the entire year it came out. Can't believe nobody watched that movie. It was awesome. Watch that shit. But... It was such a Loomis possibility Ahab situation they could have set up, and the movie just forgets about him. He shows up again in the last act of the movie, which we'll get to, but it's such a disappointment that they didn't really tie this character into the story better. It would have, it would have killed. He was so good in that, that few minutes of that role. It feels like it's a running theme with Frank Grillo's career. He never seems to get used, like, in the, in the way that, like, fuckers should have been Punisher. They could at least use him better as crossbones. Anyway, awesome actor. I love that guy. So we move forward, and this is where we get into the high school kids. Now, this is where the movie messes up, in my opinion. This is where it all kind of falls apart. It's trying to do way too much. I mean, there are 76 different storylines in here, and they don't really use any of them. So from the, the get-go of it, we meet Bug, who's this very strange kid. He almost seems sort of like he's on the, uh, you know, on the spectrum. He's just weird. They never really explain what's going on with him. He's just fucking strange and like just, just weird shit that none of it connects. I, I don't I don't understand it, but he's this kid and everyone in this, all the high school kids, part of the reason I think Scream works so well is like it was one of those movies we watched. It's like they're not high school kids. Come on. Like if you think about it, they're adults. You can tell they're seasoned actors here. Everyone actually feels like a high school kid. I don't know if it's just the change in generations or maybe I'm just an old fuck. These feel like young kids and it doesn't have that same weight to it in any of it. And that's that's it. To me, you could talk about, well, Wes Craven doesn't understand this generation uh, the way he did then or with Nightmare on Elm Street's kids. I, I think that's all hootenanny. Personally, I just don't feel like the characters and the, and the actors and actresses and, and maybe the, the writing, I don't know. I just don't think it worked. The kids just didn't work here. 
Personally, I just don't – however you want to put it, for whatever reason, the kids didn't work. One of the best parts of Scream is you can go from this ghost face, this slasher, these phone calls and this people getting gutted and shit. And you can just clip it right into this high school with these super interesting and lively, natural feeling. Like even if they're over the top and like hor- hormonic – harmonic? Hormonic? Hor- horny fucking kids. You know, and it's just – it was interesting and it was funny and it was biting and it was sharp and it worked here. It's just kind of like a, it just, it just, it feels like an empty emo video. Um, or like it didn't really connect the, the, the kids, none of the kids were interesting at all to me, uh, sort of CW ish almost. And that's, that's why the movie didn't work. I mean, the movie would have worked even with all the problems with the story and the crazy shit that they try to do. If the kids had worked, if the teens had worked, if if we had people that were more interesting and better in these roles, no, no, not, not trying to knock the actors and the actresses, but if they were more interesting, uh, it just the movie would have worked at least somewhat better. You've got the super uh, religious obsessed chick who at one point's like, I call it prayer conditioning. And I'm like, I throw me into a fucking ravine. Like, I want to die. Please get me out of here. Um, but you got her character who I don't understand the fucking point of because she dies so fast and just such an empty <laughs> way. She somehow figures out everything that's going to happen, like has a premonition about it. Not really explained very well. There is the asshole jock character who's like two asshole jockers. Like he's actually like super fucking rapey. Um, at one point he's following a girl and he's like threatening her. He's like, you don't go into the woods and, and, and give me a blowjob right now. I'll just ruin your, your whole life by doing this or that or whatever. And it's like, dude, you're sweaty. You're sweaty. You've been running around and you're trying to blackmail a blowjob in the woods. At least put some ax on that thing. Uh, anyways, that's aside the point. Uh, but his character, and he's the asshole. And then you've got Bug, who's just strange as shit. You have the American Pie, like weird little friend character that's like sort of finches, but just kind of annoying and doesn't really, you know, I guess he spoke, he would be the stewish character or whatever in this, or the Randy even, but it just doesn't connect. And then you got Denzel Whitaker's character, who's this blind kid, and I just, I don't know the point. Like, he's likable, I guess, but he just shows up every once in a while, and you're like, hey, it's the blind kid. And you've got Fetch, who ends up being his sister, who's like, she has this crazy scene where she goes into a bathroom, and she has, like, her own assistant. It's so fucking, like, Van Wilder or, like, Cruel Intentions. You got this one scene where, like, everybody knows to stay out of the bathroom because that's Fetch's time because she's, like, the leader of the whole school. And she goes in the bathroom and she has, like, this girl, Brittany, who's, like, her assistant. And she smokes a cigarette. And it's so mean girls-ish. And it's just, like, all the high school stuff, again, it just didn't do it. Like, it just did not have any realism to it whatsoever. None of it felt real. And there's a bunch of subplots there about, like, him wanting Brittany but her liking him too. But Fetch says, no, he's killed people before. And all this stuff that just, like, doesn't matter in the end. It just washes out. Um, so why – I'm not even going to waste time with all that stuff. I haven't even gotten to the plot yet because there's so much going on. But the plot is this. Uh, it starts out with these kids and they're at this – they, they do this ritual in the woods, and they do it every year. There's seven kids that were all born around midnight on the time that that dude, that the Ripper guy, died. So every year they have this weird ritual where they go out there, and one of them stands there, and they're picked to be the one to kill him if he 
returns for his vengeance or whatever. And they use this giant, like, Battlefield Earth-looking fucking Predator puppet thing to scare Bug. And he's like, I couldn't fucking do it, man. And he, like, runs away. Because, like I said, he's not he's not quite right. Everybody knows and is in on the joke, but he's not. And he starts to get really worried about it. And at one point, there's just this hilarious thing where he's like, I think I'm getting scared right now. <laughs> just, like, the weird shit he says is just like, I don't know. He reminds me of the main dude from the movie, Grind. I have no idea why, but he just does. He was fine. Like, I don't think that asking anybody to play that character is a lot because there's just so much going on there. It doesn't make sense. They spend the entire running time of the movie trying to make this kid the red herring, I feel like. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like, from having him have, like, visions or, like, just disappearing for a second to the point where he's even, like, in the woods talking to himself in the words, in, like, the voices of everybody else. Like, he is fucking cracking. And they they do such, they try so fucking hard to make you think he's the killer while this is going on. While, meanwhile, this person in what looks like the, the exact same garb as that puppet was is, by the way, showing up and killing these teenagers off one by one. If it seemed like an afterthought in my review, it's because it's an afterthought in the movie. It just pops up randomly, and there's cool shit to it. Like, there's cool moments. Like, they can't do much because of PG-13, but he stabs one kid in the stu- stomach, throws him off a bridge, but the way he's running and that, like the, the way that the voice sounds, it's kind of cool. I don't hate it, but... At one point, I thought, okay, this has got to be, this is definitely one of the kids using a voice changer or something because of the vernacular of the killer. Because he will say shit like, so when the dude goes out to try to force a blowjob out of the girl in the woods, right? He chases him down, and this dude just found out that he got uh, uh, like a 15-year-old pregnant or whatever. That's another running subplot in the movie. And (laughs) just he sounds like such, the killer sounds like such an immature child. Uh, he runs up and he's like, he runs up and stabs him in the stomach and the dude's on the phone with him. And he's like, this dude has a knife inside of him. And he, he goes, and the killer goes, any last words? And he goes, or something like, he says something like any last words or any last requests. And the guy with a knife in him, who's been a total dick up to this point goes to see my unborn child. And then he pulls the knife out and he goes, fuck your fucking child. (laughs) Like some shit a 14-year-old playing Fortnite would say. And there's constant, when that happens, it's constant. There's one Predator-like kill where he takes Brittany and he, they can't show it again. But Wes Craven does a really good job relaying to you without seeing it what's going on. Picks her up off camera and squeezes her. And then you just see like the blood dropping down or whatever. That was a nifty little kill. Other than that, it's quick throat slashes, nothing to it. And then there's this other whole subplot with this crow. The kid is, Bug is sitting around and he's listening to the radio. And he hears about this like Candor crow creature that does shit shit and then he puts a a a crow in like the in the woods to protect him or whatever to watch over
over him and they keep showing this crow. I'm like, are we watching the fucking crow? Like, is this like a Cloverfield thing that's going to happen? Is it going to turn into the crow three? Wicked, wiki, wiki fucking prayer. Now he, they even have a whole scene where he dresses at it for show and tell because they're doing show and tell for some reason. And he gets in a fight with a bully and like pukes on him. I just, there's so much happening that's not necessary to the story at all. Just completely forgets it feels like this, this is a slasher movie and focuses on the high school stuff, which would be all right if the high school stuff again was any good but it's not and it's the main problem with this movie so finally we fall and we tumble and we we try trickery and we try they try leading us along we're like is it i mean the obvious answer is that bugs doing all this because you're literally showing us him being a fucking crazy pants mcgeaterton and uh, you're trying to shake it and be like bugs the fucking killer the soul's in him. And at this point, you're like, is the soul actually in him? Or is he just, you know, whatever. You find out naturally that, for one, Fang, who is like the mean girl's leader chick, you know, basically Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You, is his sister. And there's a scene with the stepmom where all the stuff is unveiled to you. And you're honestly, it's kind of hard to keep track of what's going on. It's just so messy. It's so damn messy. And I hate to say that, but it is. Uh, it feels like... a it just. It feels like too much was trying to be done here, and I respect the effort, but yeah, um, we find out that that Bug is the Ripper's son. He was the baby that was in the womb that got cut out, and they actually saved him, and he's been fucked up ever since. Like, there's references to him maybe being in a mental hospital, maybe not. We don't really understand. There's a whole subplot where the over-the-top principals telling the mom that he's going to have psychological testing done on him because he thinks he's a fucking weirdo. And they're trying to hide stuff. It's all very, very strange, and it's all very, very elaborate. A lot of exposition. Very hard to connect the dots here and there. Uh, but anyways, he finds out that he's the Ripper's son. And then everything goes haywire as the Ripper's going around and, and, and killing the, the seven, these seven kids that were born around the same time. Forgot about that plot too, didn't you? Me too. So the Ripper shows up, kills his mom uh, right after it's revealed to him what's going on, uh, kills his mom, and then goes after him. And then we have our first big twist of the movie. They go, where's Fang? And then all of a sudden the Ripper pops out. And I was like, "Oh shit, it's Fang!" And that was actually that was actually I didn't I did not see that coming. I probably should have. I don't know if I care at this point, but I didn't see that coming. So you got your. What's weird about it? What's weird about it is you had your big scream exposition set up right before this when she was explaining to Fang like the truth of, or when she. When she was explaining to Bug that he was actually, you know, the son of the Ripper and all this stuff, it, that was almost like a Scream movie's exposition. So it was kind of cool how they threw that on its heel. You didn't know she was the killer yet, and then they'll do it again because it pops out, and you just assume that's Fang. So he fights with her, uh, with with the Ripper in the Predator Battlefield Earth costume for a little bit, hides, and then he jumps to a closet. Guess who's hiding in the closet as well? Fucking Fang. So she is not the killer after all. So we're right back to where we were. Who is the killer? And let me backtrack a second, because right before this, who shows up again but goddamn Frank Grillo? And he shows up, and it's, again, dude, it's just so disappointing, because it could have been such a cool Loomis-ish type of character that he could have played. And, and you actually go, oh, fuck, I forgot he was in this movie. Hell yeah, let's go. And then he's gone just as quick as he shows up again. What a wasted opportunity. But, and the next thing that happens, it's just like, at, at, at this point... 
when you're trying to figure out who the Ripper is and what the twist is going to be, you honestly get to like a Jesus Christ, wrap it up. Wrap this thing the fuck up. I got to go, man. I got Allman Brothers tickets. What movie is that from? Comment down below. But yeah, uh, it's a revolving door through his window. Again, just like Scream uh, with Sydney's window or whatever. Uh, his friend shows up and then his friend leaves again. And then another friend's in the closet and has been stabbed. You know, uh, Denzel Whitaker's character has been stabbed and, and he's laying there. He's like, no, you're a hero. You're a good person. And then it's like the movie's constantly like, is it him? Is it? Are we about to have a thing where just like in the beginning, he realizes he's been doing all this and they like, they keep poking us and going, ah, what do you think? Ah, could it be? Red herring, red herring, fuck your mother. And eventually you're just like, God damn it. Will everyone stop coming in and out of this fucking house? Like, it's like your dad, like we're not trying to cool down the entire fucking neighborhood. I got bills. It's like a revolving door of people coming in and they just overdid it. Just overcooked the shit out of this thing, man. All four, as it turns out, for it to be the friend. And again, it's a movie that just like crams exposition into your mouth like fucking mashed potatoes and corn to a kid who won't eat mashed potatoes and corn. But it's just like fucking take that shit. And then the kids are sitting there talking to each other and he's like, I don't know. It could be it's it's either that it's actually the ripper in the souls of people or maybe it's you. And then he's like, maybe it's you because you are a son. Right. And like he's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you this. It's got some blood. My just killed my stepfather. He was a dick. Right. Another subplot that just goes by the wayside, unconnected, forgotten about. And then they, they, it tries to it tries to tell us that that bug has like gotten his confidence back and he's like this badass dude now who's ready to take on what it takes. Like he tells his sister, he's like, "I need you to run down to the blah 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 and do this." Like, can you do that for me? And I'm like, "All right, John McClane, calm the fuck down. You were pissing your your underoos about five seconds ago." And then he does the same thing with his friend. He like gets his confidence, and I get the character arc. It just doesn't work again. And uh, eventually we discover that the uh, all this just to say, hey, the Ripper's soul is inside of – they are souls. They do that. Uh, it's not actually schizophrenia. And the soul is inside of his best friend now. So he kills his best friend and he stabs him in the stomach. And his best friend goes, man, I thought that guy would never leave. So it's a total Chucky Brad Dwarf situation. Uh, and And the soul is gone. The evil is gone from here. And his friend, you know, his friend passes away, but he's like, hey, thank you for stabbing that guy out of me. And then he dies. And then in the final screamism, as he's standing there and he's got this big, long diatribe about I am the condor, I am the keeper of souls <laughs> um, and all this stuff. He walks outside and Fang has been outside telling the cops and everybody the story. He expects to be arrested, but he walks outside. She saves the day and tells him the truth. He's a hero and he's, you know, he has this well-written line about, I don't feel like a hero, but I'm going to fake it fucking good or whatever, because that was a line between him and his friend about when they were being abused or someone was fucking with him, just act like it doesn't bother you, a running theme. And look, that's where I land on this, on this movie in its entirety is that while it's not good, while as a standard film, like it's not good, you know, uh, did not, did not reach what it could have been, what I wanted it to be when I was watching it. Even knowing that it was much aligned, and this was the first time watch for me, but neighbors are outside drilling their fucking driveway. Sounds like a woodpecker in hell. Wes Craven does everything with such heart, and I feel like charisma, and 
you can feel his touches in the movie. So I really do appreciate that. And you can feel somebody behind the camera really going for it and believing in what they're doing. And I can appreciate that too. And there's a lot of themes in this movie about bullying, about being an outsider, about family. There's a lot of stuff that he was really shooting for. And you can find things in this movie to really enjoy. I, I feel like this is a script that, you know, uh, had, has really great stuff inside of it. Um, and it just zigged sometimes when it should have zagged. And it's not as far off as it would lead you to believe. Like, it looks like a fucking mess and it feels like a fucking mess. But I just feel like, you know, connect a cord over here, cut this over here. There's a way that this could have been a great movie. And it just didn't work out, you know. And mainly, again, it goes back to the kids. I think if the kids were more interesting, more believable, more charismatic and interesting to watch, uh, uh, you know, not the actors and actresses themselves, just the characters as, as a whole. If that, if the, that part worked, it would have been a well-oiled enough machine to, to, to pull off what he was trying to pull off. Because the idea is nice. The opening's really good. And I love the idea of going back to the, what he was doing with Scream and, and trying something new like that. It just didn't connect in the same way for whatever reason. And that sucks. But um, there's definitely – this movie, is, is, it's probably a comfort blanket for a lot of horror fans. I bet there's a lot of people out there who just love this movie and adore it. And I will watch it again for sure. And there's stuff in it I really liked. Love Frank Grillo. Love the opening. Love how it set everything up. I really love that stuff. And it had some opportunity to be really great. Um, it just just didn't get, didn't get there for me, but I bet there's a lot of people who really enjoy this movie. And for that, I'm sure Wes Craven, uh, I'm sure it was probably good enough for him. You know, um, so... That being said, I have to give the movie my soul to take a total score of 5.5, 5.5 out of 10. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not my favorite for sure. I don't think it's Wes Craven's worst film though, uh, but it's definitely towards the lower half and uh, a lot of stuff to enjoy there. But damn, would I not like to have seen if they got the kids right and, and had Frank Grillo play more of like an Ahab character, have him be more involved. Fuck, that could have been interesting to me. And it actually got me thinking. I wouldn't really mind seeing Frank Grillo in a Loomis-type role in the Halloween franchise. What do you guys think about that? It might seem crazy, but at least watch him in this movie first. Not that he can't pull anything off. I think he's a great actor. Just like when you're talking about replacing the Donald Pleasance-ish-type character, that seems like a lot. But even if it's not Loomis in like a remake, if you just did a character like that, I'm saying I think he could crush it for sure. Um, so yeah, my soul to take. There it is. Just like... Scream. And also, as I always ask, what are some more Just Like Scream movies you'd like to see reviewed? Comment down below. Thank you guys so much for the love on this series. And if you want to see the next one of these or the previous ones, please make sure you click subscribe and the bell so it lets you know when we stick these things up. Because, I mean, I don't want to lose you. You just fucking got here, Greg. I love your all's fucking faces. I hope you guys have an amazing day. Dad are gonna be so mad at me When they find out I'm in love with my friend Billy Well, he's got a white shirt, tight little jeans Kinda wanna put my pee in his bee He hit me with the phone, I wished it was his dick He cut me too deep this time He cut me too deep this time Woodsboro will never know me And Billy were more than bro So get it up, live her Sharon Stone Woodsboro will never know me and Billy were more than bros so get it up with her alone
And will be until we die. And by the way, I'm still alive. Remember that time by the fireplace, just like the TV, sitting on my face. Watch a few movies, take a few notes, and afterwards we're going to bone. Cause Billy is my Sharon Stone. Woodsboro will never know me, and really we're more than bro, so get it up. Sharon Stone Woodsboro will never know me And Billy were more than bros So get it up, leave her alone He was my Sharon Stone It's called Tact You Fuck Rag It's called Tact You Fuck Rag Besides, it takes a man to do Something like that's called tax, you fuck rag. 